Would you please turn with me to Luke chapter 7? Luke 7 in your Bibles, if you're using one of the Pew Bibles there, uh, it's page 981. If you don't own a Bible of your own, please keep that Bible as our gift to you. And if you'd like one nicer than that, there's some in the lost and found over here. Please uh, take a look and see if one of those has your name on it or is agreeable to you. We're continuing our series talking about Jesus Christ and his ministry. It has been um, so beautiful to study the, the letters in red in the Bible, isn't it? I know for me it's my favorite part. Um, I'm going through different sections of the Bible typically uh, throughout my week, and when I get to the New Testament, I'll sometimes just slow down or repeat what I just went over. When Jesus Christ had the opportunity to walk in this world, he gave us the best teaching that we could ever come across, and we're so thankful for the record of it. He also allowed us to sneak in on some of the times when he had interaction with people. That's what we're going to look at today the interaction that Jesus Christ had with two people in, in detail and what we can learn from them. Before we jump into that, I want to ask you to uh, use your imagination and put yourself at a bank, the local bank that you might go to. And I want you to imagine that you have an appointment there at the bank, but you went about a half hour early. And so as you went to the bank and you have some time to kill, you noticed a couple individuals that actually came in before you, and you're able to overhear their conversation. Here's the first individual that you see come in. You can tell by his face that he's down. He's going through a difficult time, and he has an appointment with the manager of the bank. As he gets in, he tells them his plight. He says, I've lost my job. I don't have any prospects of a job coming up. I don't have any income and I've taken this loan with the bank here for this, for this truck. I can't, I can't pay it off. I'm not sure what to do. And I came in just to, to ask you, what do you think we should do about it? Then I want you to imagine that the manager looks him in the eye, looks over at his computer, does a little typing, and looks him back in the eye. And he says, well, looks like there's about $10,000 on your debt. I think what we're going to do is we're just going to forgive the loan. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You want to know what bank this is I'm talking about. This is a, a, make, a make-believe bank. He's thrilled. He's overjoyed. He thanks them so much, and he still has a challenge ahead of him, but not so much with this relief of debt. Another person comes in about 15 minutes later, very, very down, very discouraged. He goes and tells a similar story to the manager of the bank. I've lost my job. I don't have any prospects of a job coming up. I'm not sure what we can do about this. And I have a mortgage here at the bank. I owe about $100,000. There's no way in the world I can't even pay to put food on my table right now for my family, let alone pay my monthly mortgage fee. I want you to imagine that manager. He looks at him in the eye, goes over to his computer, does a little typing. And then he looks him back in the eye, and the manager says, I think what we're going to do is we're just going to forgive the loan. The man starts to weep. So much stress of the money that he owed, of the tasks that are ahead of him as far as how he's going to take care of his family, so much pressure, and the generosity, and the kindness of them just saying, 
We forgive that amount. We're going to see in God's Word today a couple different characters that Jesus interacts with. And it's a beautiful interaction because they're two very, very different people. And Jesus is going to take us to a parable that uh, reminds us of that little story that I just now told. And then at the end, we're going to come back and talk about that banker and about those people that were forgiven. But what we're going to see in God's Word today is that Jesus is very, very concerned with how you think of Him. That might sound backwards. We always think of how, you know, we think of Jesus, or I mean how Jesus thinks of us and what He's done for us. That's what we sing about. But Jesus is very, very concerned with how you feel about Him and how you think of Him. And just to be to, to let the, you know, to give away the ending here, it is very, very common that how we feel about Jesus is going to come out in our actions. It will be demonstrated if you genuinely have an unmistakable love for Jesus or not. All that to take us to Luke chapter 7. What we're going to see is a story about the power of forgiveness to change a life. And the first individual is one that is very colorful. We, we don't get her name, but we find out quite a bit about her. Before I start to read about this first individual, I want to ask you a question about what you know of Christ when he was in this world. Do you think that if Jesus was invited to go to dinner at the home of someone who was a, a known drunk... Do you think Jesus would accept and, and go to dinner at his house? What do you think? Shake your head, yes or no? Yeah. I think probably so. How about this? How about if someone was a pious, hypocritical, religious leader in their community, and they invited Jesus to come to, to their home? Do you think Jesus would go to his home? Well, we're going to look at that today. The first thing that I see here in our text, in our story is an individual that gives a response of overwhelming love. Overwhelming love is what we find here. I want to draw your attention, starting at verse number 36, where we find the first person that Christ encounters. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... When she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, we find that Jesus has an invitation to someone's house here. This is Simon, and Simon is a Pharisee, and it was not uncommon back in those days for a visiting rabbi, like they would consider Jesus, a teacher rabbi, to get an invite to someone's home, and especially someone who was of importance. Now, I don't want you to think of this as like a, a Sunday dinner or even a gathering on Friday night. That's not what this is like. Back before the days of the newspaper and social media, the way that people in a community would learn things would be at gatherings like this one. 
If there was an important person who was gathering with a big shot in your town, they were going to have a nice meal. Many people would go to the home. Now, most were not invited to come to the table. But you need to understand that what was taking place was there were people that were able to go and observe and lean in. Listen to the conversation between this teacher and this leader. And they would be able to go as kind of open doors. We can't know for sure if this would be a, a, a big room that they were in that many people would gather in. There's going to be a table in the middle and maybe some people around the outside. It's my opinion as I studied the New Testament, this was probably more like in a courtyard. Someone had a nice home. Simon had a nice home most likely. He likely had a big courtyard where they could set up a table, likely beautiful gardens all around. And people could come in and could go as they wanted to. But only a few would be invited to the table. Okay, you have the setting for where they're at. Now let's turn our attention to this woman. She's called a sinner. Many people think she was likely a prostitute. She was one who was a known sinner in this community. And her response is more than one of curiosity. You see, Simon, he he was just curious about Jesus is what it seems like. Let me invite this guy to my home. Maybe I can learn something from him. Or perhaps, um, you know, I can pay attention to what he's saying. I think that the jury was already in with the Pharisees on Jesus. I think they were already counting Jesus as an enemy at this point. So Simon invites him, I think, just out of curiosity. Or we might say this today. Maybe I can add something to my life. I like my life. My life's pretty good. Maybe I can add something with this guy to my life. The picture of the woman is very, very different, isn't it? We do not see her in these verses as one that is simply curious. She's obviously, unmistakably broken. That comes through in her actions. These actions seem odd to us. Christ is going to refer to them when He talks to Simon in just a moment. Some of these things that she does seems odd to us. They get pointed out as honestly, what is some rudeness by the host. But what I want you to to, to catch is not necessarily the details of what she did, but just the fact that she was going to do anything that she could for Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus had changed her life. She had come to know forgiveness from Jesus Christ. I'm not sure if it was very recently when he was preaching somewhere or ministering somewhere, but when she comes to this point in the story, she has encountered Christ and she has been changed. And so what she's coming to do is not just ask some questions, it's not to be curious. It's obvious she is going to make herself very very vulnerable. Just to to let down her hair is is what she does and that was a faux pas. What she does at this time, she does not care who is watching. She is responding in genuineness to Jesus Christ. Simon, he was just curious. So as we see this life that was drastically changed, we find out what she did. She was able to get into the home, the property. She was able to get close to the Savior She was able to do some gestures of affection. She saw that his feet were not cleaned. She did what she could 
She didn't have a towel to wipe them with. She used what she had. And she wept. Most, a lot of us, well, I should say a lot of us guys don't really know what it is to weep. I was watching a movie last night with my family and the, the tears would come down when we got to this, you know, uh, sentimental part and the, they always put the violin music in there that prompts the tears and all that. And so I had some tears coming down. But don't imagine yourself just shedding some tears. This woman is broken. And when she has the opportunity to get close to Jesus, I don't think she planned it. I don't think she planned on doing this. I think that when she got close to Jesus, the weeping just came. Some of you are familiar with how they ate back in those days. They did not have a table and chairs like we would have in our kitchen and our dining room. They would have a table that was low to the ground, but they didn't sit up in a chair. Instead, what they would do is they would really kind of lie forward, if they, most of them right-handed, laying on their left arm, and they would eat with their right hand with their feet going behind them. And so as you see them here, we understand that his feet are far behind him, and so she would have access. And people are watching. Everybody is looking and seeing what is going on, and nobody stops her with what she does. What could she do? She gave a small gesture at Jesus' feet. She saw they weren't cleaned properly, and so she wants to help prepare him for the meal. She did, did whatever she could. And I want you to notice how interested Jesus is in her response. And then just to connect it with you and I today, we must understand that Jesus is interested in how you respond to him. He's paying very, very close attention. And so we see her response and what she does. Now let's look at Simon. And Simon is one who has a response of self-confidence. Everybody's going to come to his home. He's able to pay for this big meal. This is going to be a time where he can shine. And you need to understand there's a level of rudeness here that Christ is going to point out. Some things become a little more clear because of the day we live in being different than that day. But just understand that Christ is going to address his rudeness here. Let's look in verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. And then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. 
Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. A great detail we find right at the beginning of this section is that Simon is observing this teacher. He's looking at him, and he thinks that Jesus doesn't know who the woman is. If this guy really was a prophet, that's what they're saying out there. Everybody's saying he's a prophet. Some are saying he's the Messiah. If he really was a prophet, he would know who this was that was touching his feet. And it's curious because in his thoughts, he says, there's no way this guy's a prophet. And then the next thing that Jesus does is, is he responds in a way that only a prophet could. Because did it say that Simon said those things out loud? No, it didn't. It said that Simon thought those things. And Jesus could read his thoughts And he responds to him with that question. Let's look at the parable just for a moment. We started our time talking about a a modern-day parable. 500 denarii is basically a year and a half's wage, a year and a half salary that was owed, and the person could not pay it. And then the other one is one and a half months of salary, the 50 denarii. And Jesus' lesson here about this woman as he looks at her and then he speaks to Simon, is this. The measure of the heights of love that you have is directly related to the depths of your sinfulness. She had been forgiven of so much and it was obvious that she was broken and not just that she was sad about her sin, but that she had been changed. Now, I don't want to lose anybody that says, I've never lived a life like that. Because some of you might think that. I've never been a drunkard. I've never been a prostitute. I've never been down in the gutter. I've lived kind of a moral life. And yet, so many individuals who have never really strayed far from a good moral life but know Jesus Christ still find themselves in a place of brokenness. How how is that? How is it that someone who's not been forgiven of this incredible amount can still come to a place of brokenness? It's because of this reason. As we walk on our journey with the Lord, as we get to know Him, as we get to know Him through His Word, it's not that we are broken because we have a memory of some sin that we forgot about when we were 18 years old or when we were 25 years old, and we're broken over that. But instead, what happens is as we know the Lord and get to know Him better, we discover His holiness. We discover that no matter how good or bad of a person we are in other people's eyes, God is so far above us. And it will drive us to the point where we will be broken, where we will only be able to say, I am only a sinner saved by grace. Not coming and saying, I'm only a sinner, but not as bad as this one over here. We are sinners and we will be broken as we look at the character of God and get to know Him. 
And as we come to God and as we pray, there's a sense of awe. This was a story with John Wesley. John Wesley, uh, a famous preacher of old, started the Methodist movement, had a group called the Holiness Club. He really never had a time in his life when he was far from God, and yet he repeatedly had moments where he was broken. And that brokenness was so obvious. Why was that? It was because he was growing closer to God. And you and I can have this same experience. We can learn of God. We can learn of his character. And don't miss this. We can see God actively working in our lives in a way that people that don't know Jesus will say, well, that was just dumb luck or that was just coincidence. And you and I can fall on our knees and say, what a mighty God I serve because he is involved in every moment of my life and he works these things out for his glory but also for my good as his child. A constant exposure to God through his word, And as we walk close to him in our life, we learn of his character. And then let's go ahead and look at one more group of people. And the last thing that I see here is we find a response with the right question, or maybe we should say the better question. The title of our sermon is, How Great Is Your Debt? And that was asked, who's going to love the one who forgave more? I suppose the one who had the greater debt's going to love more. It's a good question, but a better question, and maybe the right question for you today, is what is asked by these individuals that are observing. Christ has proven that he has power over disease, he has healed the sick. He has proved that he has power over death, he has raised the dead. He has proven that he has power over weather. And as great as all of those must have been to see, and maybe if you're like me, you would like to witness some of that. You want to go back in a time machine and witness some of that taking place. As great as all of those were, the most wonderful one is what is mentioned right here with this woman. Better than raising the dead, better than calming a storm. What Jesus does next is better than all of that because he proves that he has the authority over sin. And with these group of onlookers, they hear him say, you're forgiven. And I think for some, they might have scratched their heads. For others, they were writing that down. Oh, we're going to take this back to the leaders in Jerusalem. Now we've got him. Look at verse 48. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, here it is. Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And that is the most important question that any person will ever ask. We all have been born sinners Sin entered the world when Adam and Eve were in the garden and everybody else all the way down the line is born a sinner. Who is it that can forgive sin? This one. This one who reclined. Who let the prostitute wash his feet. This one who was criticized. This one who would go on 
to be mocked and to have his face spit in and to die for nothing that he did. Who is it that can forgive sin? And so every one of us can ask the question, how much debt do I have? And you might be a nicer person than that one over there in your years that you've had here. But ultimately, everyone has to come to this question. Jesus Christ is the one that can forgive our sin. And so we ask ourselves after a story like this, well, what do I do with this? Can I suggest to you that Jesus is very, very interested in what you think of him? And can I suggest that what you think of him is going to be displayed with your hands and with your tongue and with your feet? There are too many that have a curiosity about Jesus Christ. Let me, let me add Jesus to what I got going on. I've got a pretty good thing going on in my life here. Let me add Jesus. That might make it a little bit better. That was Simon. This woman, she didn't care what they thought of her. She could not help but weep because God had changed her life. It wasn't just because of her sinfulness she was weeping. It's because she was a new creation. Her faith had made her whole. Jesus must be more than just an addition or an interest. He must be the object of your love. Very, very practically, if you've spent two years with an individual in a neighborhood, in the work site, and they don't know that you love Jesus Christ, that might tell you which one of these persons you look more like. Let's go back to the bank. You observe this incredible forgiveness, the one debt of $10,000 so the car could be given the other debt of $100,000 so that the home mortgage could be taken away. I want you to imagine 10 years down the road. So can you fast forward 10 years? Nobody here wants to get 10 years older. I get that. Some of the ones in junior church do, but we don't in this room here, right? Fast forward 10 years. You're in the grocery store, and you see the bank manager. That's, that's the guy, Oh my goodness, I'll never forget that day. I've told so many folks about that day. That's the guy down there in the frozen food section and you look at him and you're just having these great memories and then what do you know but the person who is forgiven of the mortgage comes walking right past you and they're walking right toward that manager. Can you imagine the, the drama building up? What's gonna happen is, is he going to hug that guy around the neck? What's, what's going to go on? How's he going to respond when he comes across this manager that showed him so much kindness and forgiveness? And you watch. And then can you imagine if that person walks by there, they make eye contact, and the one who's forgiven us so much does one of these, hey, and keeps going. What would you want to do with that guy? Neck. Yeah. Well, you, you want to wring his neck, right? I saw what happened. I know what you've been forgiven of. That's how you're going to treat him? You're going to 
say hi and nod and walk on? You need to buy that guy's groceries. You need to carry his groceries out to his car. You need to scrape the snow off his windshield. You better do everything that you can because of the incredible generosity that was shown to you. I understand in the Christian walk that when we come to Christ, there's oftentimes a, there's just a, a, a fireworks kind of a time, and we're excited. Have you seen somebody that's new to the Lord, and they, you can't shut them up, right? And I understand that as we go on, that sometimes that fades a little bit. Don't be nervous about that. But do be nervous if you are not in God's Word, learning of His character, and seeing Him involved in your life to the point where you have no choice. It is unmistakable how you respond to Him. And people that say you can't talk about religion and politics, I'm not so sure about politics, but I do know about religion. You let people know what Jesus did for you. And you keep your eyes open because even on this day, with everyone hearing this message, God is working in hundreds and thousands of ways in your life for His glory and for your good. And so maybe you need to pray the prayer, God, would you, would you take these scales off my eyes so I can see what you are doing? Because every one of us has been forgiven if we've accepted Christ as our Savior. There is an expectation. You see, He really does care what you think of Him. And what you think of Him is going to come through. What you say, and what you do, and people you encounter. Let there be no question, let there be no reservation Do not be guarded. If Jesus is the king of your life, let it be said from the mountaintops and let it be said in your neighborhood and in your family and with your acquaintances. Would you pray with me? Our gracious Father, what a blessing it is to be able to come into your presence. The plan from the beginning, we understand that you had us in mind. And Jesus Christ, your son, willing to go to the cross, willing to take on not only the physical tortures, but my sins on his shoulders. We praise you for this work. And we thank you that you have left us here in this world on this side of heaven for a reason. Would you allow us to be getting to know you better so that we can speak more of you? Would you allow us to see you working in our lives so that we could give you glory and praise and credit? This woman did what she could. She didn't have a towel, so she used her hair. She didn't have a water, so she used her tears. And Father, each one of us has been given something, given something different. I, I don't know what that looks like but you have made us stewards of something. Would you allow us to do what we can to worship you and to show you love for the forgiveness that we enjoy? I'm going to ask the piano to play through, and I'm going to give you a chance to pray. It's been a 
couple different directions we've gone today. Maybe the Lord's leading you to pray something specific, and I'd encourage you to do that even now. Jesus Christ told this woman, your faith has made you whole. She had faith in Jesus as her Savior. Jesus Christ would go on to die on the cross for your sins. And if you've never asked him to save you, you can pray right now. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask you to make you his child. And he promises to do that.